Please listen to the following announcements concerning the renumbering of 2021 and 2022 podcasts. This episode was originally published in January of 2022, but it is now being reassigned to May 2022. While listening, please disregard all references to dates. The material itself is still very relevant. Going forward all the earlier issues will be reassigned to the year 2022. In 2023, the format will start with January being issue number 1 of volume 2 and each year will only have 10 issues. July and August will be planning and study months. I believe this make this podcast stronger and easier to follow. Your host. Clearly across the miles from the mountain top. Everyone in the sound of my voice, come to the mountain top with Jesus. From the mountain top. Hello, this is your host on the Mountaintop with Jesus podcast, starting a brand new year, 2022. One year closer to us being with our Lord, either here as he may return or in heaven with him and others. Today, we're going to talk about the golden question of prepping. This is the question that stumps many, many people, and I believe it's because they simply do not have a plan. And not having a plan, they simply just panic and purchase what they think they're going to need, and they're not even sure what that is. To begin with, let me say this. I cannot say for you what is enough for you, and you cannot say for me what is enough for me. Frankly, I can't even say for myself what is enough for me. And that's because the Lord has to tell me. Not that I'm weak or unable to figure out some basic needs. That's not the question. The question is, taking the information from the last two months of our podcast, who are we prepping for? And we now need to convert that into a system of purchasing or procuring food and other things that our list of people may need. We can also determine now how long do we want to provide for them and how much do we need in the beginning to provide. You have a safe stopping point and that every time you reach that safe stopping point, you take stock, you ask the Lord, you revise the plan if you need to, or you relax and move on to learning skills. So first, let's have a word of prayer, and I will lead today's prayer because we're starting a brand new year. Father, I ask that you bless this podcast, not so that the podcast may be blessed, but so that others may learn to live in harmony and peace and comfort with you, Lord Jesus trusting not only as their Savior for heaven, but trusting in their relationship with you while they're here on earth. Give them the strength to seek you, the wisdom to listen to you, and the ears to hear what you are spiritually teaching every one of us to face these difficult times. I ask that you bless every listener listening. Dig down to the deepest emotional needs. 
to their deepest physical needs for how much they may need to prep, for their deep psychological needs and not being afraid of today's time and places that we live in. Every generation is assigned a time and a place to live in, and in every generation you are present, and you care for us, and you love us as our Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying upon the cross, providing our salvation, and providing the access to the Father that we so often discuss in this program. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding us, for comforting us, for bringing us the word from the Father and the Son. Thank you for leading us, Holy Spirit, in your marvelous counsel, wisdom, and peace, and gentle presence. All of this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. No one can have it all. Even if you're the best couponer, the best purchaser from eBay, a garage sale Maximus person. No one is going to have it all. And we'll come back to that subject at the end of the podcast because I have a reflection, which I think will answer one of the major questions that's often asked by the prepper community. So tacking on to last month, when last two months actually, where we were talking about for whom do you prep, this one will be, as I said, how much will you need? And I'm going to give you some suggestions that I want you to take to the Lord and ask him. Say, you know, that's a good idea, Lord. Can I... Uh, can I implement that? Or, you know what? That idea doesn't apply to me. I don't need that idea. But the important thing is to take them to the Lord and to ask. Now, I don't just say, take these to the Lord because that's a nicety, because that's something I kind of want you to do. That's the whole point of this podcast the podcast is built around your relationship with the Lord and helping you to ask questions and receive answers from him because he loves you, because he knows your future, and because he wants to care for you like a father. Those of you who've had a damaged relationship with fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters, I can only ask the Lord Jesus to help heal that relationship for you because a relationship with a father is a beautiful relationship of love, caring, advice, and creates a confident person because he's working out the plan that he and his father have come up with. Well, as you know, I love lists, so let's start with number one. In number one, I would just like to review last month and what we talked about a little bit. We talked about your 
developing a plan with the Lord, which listed people that you felt would be part of your survival circle. Some people call it your tribe, your trusted group. And we looked at several aspects of the development of that list. And hopefully after developing it, you took it to the Lord and you said, Lord, am I leaving anyone out? Am I putting someone in here I shouldn't be? And we gave a lot of thoughts about what types of things you should look for as you develop this tribe or group. And we looked at several different things last month. We said, and this would be part A, you know, after prayer and uh, talking with the Lord and after hearing from the Lord, count the people that you have in your list. How many do you have? How many uh, are adults? How many are children? And how many um, are females? And how many are males? Because this will make a difference in some of the material we'll cover today. We talked about B, we talked about yourself. Okay, you're going to need to be there for preaching the gospel and all that. So it is not selfish to take care of yourself. C, we talked about your family, your close family, your not so close family, your your beloved family and your family that, well, okay, so they're not so beloved. Okay, D, we talked about your close and not so close friends because they're going to come and they're going to want to tag on to what you have, and they're going to want to come to your house if something happens, and how do you handle that? We're going to come back to that a little in another episode. E, community and drop-ins. How do you handle those that just stop by and say, hey, I'm here. I know you're a I know you're a um, prepper, and I I just want you to help me out and, you know, give me what you have and share what you have. You know, sharing is a Christian thing. So we talked a little bit about that. Okay. And that's a review of last month that we need to share. If you missed, actually, I said last month, it was the last two months, November and December's podcast from the mountaintop with Jesus. I encourage you to go back and to listen to that again. I think you'll find it very helpful in setting up your initial plan. And we talk about how this is the initial plan. This is to get you started. This is to get you to take a structure, take account to the Lord and ask him about it, and then start working that initial plan. Number two, now I'd like to discuss taking the information that you have from the last two months and turning it into a list that you can use for the development or procurement of items and actions and where they go and how do you track them and and these kinds of housekeeping chores that go with taking the people and fitting it into a, 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 a structured plan. So two, number A, make a table or chart or spreadsheet, which contains the people's name, gender, 
ages, and other dietary must-haves, gluten-free, whatever, not what they like or what they don't like, because you might eat a little bit of spinach during this time, but what they must have to survive. Are they diabetic? What other needs uh, would they have food-wise? Make that table, lay it all out. I'd put uh, your uh, needs across the top, and I would uh, um, put your people down the left-hand side, and then I'd come across and check in uh, now on, yeah, gender, female, male, uh, age, children, adult, okay? And mark those in because we're going to come back to this when we figure out calories, okay? Part B, total each group and look up their average caloric needs for everyone based upon gender, age, and possible workload. Now, this is important, too. You may have a man that's a grandpa, and he's going to be the radio operator. And uh, he's 70. He's a man. He's an adult. But his workload isn't going to require as many calories as the uh, his son named George, who's out in the field working. And uh, he's a man, but he needs a lot more calories in his workload. So you might think of workload as, you know, one-third, two-thirds, three-thirds. One-third is like Grandpa, who's, you know, he's, he's older. He doesn't eat so much. He's also going to be doing the radio. Oh, okay, one-third. Two-thirds would be your average person, the house uh, activities, dishes, cleaning, caring for your group, whatever, two-thirds. And three-thirds is guys out there digging ditches or planting corn or whatever he's doing that's taking a lot of calories. Look up those calories on the web and see what you see for each age and gender group. Now I want you to expand your table by one column, and this is part C. And so I want you to add a column here for how likely they are to get to your bug out location or your location or wherever it is they need to appear to participate in your plan. Now, in this table that I have discussed here today, and we just added a column which talks about the likelihood of individuals coming to the location to participate in your plan. And I want to help you a little bit here with some scoring that you might use for them. All of these scores I'm going to give you are based upon the percentage of likelihood that the individual, the family, uh, the entity that's coming, maybe it's a small, another small group. How likely is it that they get there? And so we rate those probability of them arriving on a positive arrival. And it's okay to look at this because you may realize that there's some obstacles in their way, like distance and 
They don't have an old car. Maybe some people have an old car and can, you know, be okay if there was something took out some of the newer cars. Um, you know, you may know them well enough to put some thought into their possibility of not or possibility of making it. Here is the uh, scoring system that I came up with. You'll notice it neither has a zero or a 100%, since neither one of those are certainties that you can plan. Not that any of the others are certainties, but you can't plan 100% for absolutely certain, and you can't plan zero for absolutely certain. So I start out with 10%. This is 10% they're likely to make it. They got a lot of issues. They may not make it. They're a long ways away. Okay, give them a 10%. The next one's 30%. Oh, a little more likely that they're going to make it. And I give that 30%. Next one is 50% or 50-50 split. Number four, or the next one in this little list of grading, scoring, is 70% likely to make it. And number five is 90%. And 90% is barring any unforeseen circumstances. Yes, they're going to make it. I can pretty much count on that. I need to count on what they can bring. I need to also count on what I need to provide for them. So that's my scale. And I would rate every person, even if they're in a family group, I would give them all the same rating then. Or you might go, you know what? Little Sally has diabetes. She probably won't make it. These are tough things, but you got to look at it. But her dad, he's a bushman. He's probably going to make it. My tendency is to rate all the family the same since I don't think they're going to split up. But there may be circumstances where you rate a member of a family differently than the rest of the family. Okay? So just look at and pray about each one of these situations that you're aware of. Moving to letter E under number two. Let's look at the purpose of this table that we've developed. It will allow you to look at how many calories you're going to need. Total those calories, and this gives you an idea of how to judge the quantity of food that you get. It's always easy to go downstairs or in the shed or to your storage area or whatever and look at it and go, oh, that's a lot of food, man. I, yeah, I think we're going to be okay. But the only way that you really know, and you can't go by their servings because one person calls a serving this and then another person calls a serving that. And I don't know, servings just aren't a very good way of figuring out how much food you have. So what you need to do is look at your total calorie count here. And then based upon the uh, likelihood of individuals coming that we did in the last section, you may say, well, I'm really certain about 1 million calories. And if you think that sounds outrageous, wait till you start adding it up. It's not outrageous if you're looking at it for a year. But 
the other million calories belong to people that may or may not make it. So my first goal is to get the first million, okay? And then my second goal is to get the second million, which will supply needs of either those people who did make it and or going back now to your drop-ins that drop in. Well, you might say, well, why is that not just like getting all you can get? And that's a good question, but here's the answer to that question. When you have a plan, you're doing it step by step. When you have a plan, and let's say um, in my example, you reach 2 million, you say, okay, now I've got this covered. I mean, yeah, sure, I can add or I can put some more in, but I've got this covered. I need to move on to uh, some skills. Uh, I need to move on to... Uh, my financial, uh, you know, uh, putting some, maybe some, uh, um, you know, coins, gold and silver away. But, but you say, well, I'm pretty done with the food. It's stored and we're going to talk about that. And I know where it is and I know how many it can feed. And, you know, I'm there. I got the plan, Lord. And I'm going to trust you with the, rest of it, if uh, like the 5,000 that you fed with the two loaves and fishes, if an emergency happens and I have done what I believe you have called me to do, then I can depend upon you, Lord, for showing what you want to happen at that time and multiplying what I have at that time. And so you can have peace with it. And so that's the value of the spreadsheet uh, that we've been doing. Letter F under number two, when you're done with a spreadsheet, make sure you make copies, electronic and printed. Make sure that you have uh, this plan as, you know, the first f pages in your booklet behind the uh pages that we developed in the last two months. Put this together as a booklet and have it as a plan so you can refer to it. And let's say you say the Lord asking you, you know what, you better include Georgie. He needs a place to go and he's a strong man and he knows electricians. And you can go back to your book and go, okay, I'm going to add George in. I think this is what the Lord's saying to me. Lord, let me know if it is not. And it's very quick to add in his calories, his probability and everything and adjust your totals. So make sure you get it in printed format, put it in a notebook and have it right before you. Number three in our large numbers of our outline here. Now pray about your storage. Where are you going to store these items that you finally purchase? It's uh, terrible to have a lot of items and you not know where you're going to store them. One of the hardest things I think for people to handle is what do I do with all this stuff? It's, uh, it's kind of a conundrum because in a way you don't want people to see all of it. In a way you don't want to have to hide it all because that means you've got to come up with more ideas of where to hide it. 
So you might let uh, somebody see that you have a kind of a full pantry because that's your, oh, 72 to one week backup. You know, it's uh, all sorted and nicely needed. And a lot of people have that. So, you know, that's okay. We can see that. Under number three, we have part A. And I'm going to go through these fairly quickly. Under furniture, there's a lot of spaces under furniture. You can find storages under beds. You can find them in many, many, many places. The one cool thing about under furniture is it's pretty well environmentally controlled. It doesn't get, uh, you know, really hot or really cold. Using risers under furniture helps. Get some risers and use that for... Uh, lifting up your bed or your couches. And someone says, well, you get a high couch and say, well, Jack is real tall and he likes a higher couch. And then you have a big uh, ruffle or whatever or anything. Store your stuff there. Get, uh, I would use something other than boxes. If you can, I'd use some plastic containers and put your stuff in it. Number B, closets. Garages or spare rooms. And I have a thought for either one of any one of these, not either, but any one of these, that you should use shelving. You don't want to go in and have to unpile in an emergency or in just the day where you happen to need some food. You don't want to have to unpile 25 boxes because somehow it ain't worth all the effort and you won't do it. So invest in shelving. It needs to be strong enough to handle the weight of cans or boxes of food. You don't want the stuff to fall on the floor and break. That will make a big mess. Again, whether it's uh, closets, garages, or whatever, I recommend shelves. If it's closets, they're going to be inside the house and they're going to have the range of cooling and heating that is maximum for food and storage. If it's in the garage, you may have to be a little more careful because you're going to have to provide perhaps, perhaps some heat. However, most basements in North America, I'm sorry. However, most garages in North America do not reach freezing in the winter, especially if they're attached. And so if you need some heat, it may be a very minor amount of heat. Basements. I like basements, but you got to be careful of this one. It's damp. If you need a sump pump, make sure you have one. If you have a sump pump, make sure you have a backup. This is where you'd hate to lose your food because you went away and the sump pump quit because the electricity went off and all of a sudden there's, you know, a foot and a half of water in your basement. And of course, not only is it a mess, but you lost all your, uh, your preps. So again, uh, raise them up at least 18 inches by building maybe a wood structure underneath the shelves or just don't put anything on the bottom two shelves. I know it's kind of waste shelving, but you'd rather waste the shelving than waste the food. So leave your, uh, leave your level at which the water must get to before you 
wind up losing product or supplies or tents or whatever you have down there, leave it at least below 18 inches and protect your investment. Also, again, have one and maybe two backups for your sump pump. There is a uh, electrical backup, obviously, in a, in a generator or uh, perhaps a battery backup that you can switch the system over to. Those are all possible. The other thing is they make a water-based backup system that runs off city water, and as long as the water structure's on, it, it helps pump water out of your sump pump hole. So there you go, a couple ideas. But again, be leery of a little bit of basements. You do gain the fact that they probably stay between the 35 and 80, 85 degree temperature year-round. So again, you don't have to worry too much about temperatures. Letter D, outbuildings, okay? Uh Again, a little more expensive in some ways, but you might even find a an outbuilding that you can build for you know two three thousand that gives you four hundred square feet twenty by twenty, and uh, of course you'll have to deal with the uh, cooling and heating of the building, and you're also going to have to deal with pest control. So make sure that you uh, have a system in place for pest control. One good advantage of this is you can make it pretty airtight, pretty insulated fairly cheaply, and your heating and cooling won't be that much. And number two, you can build it up on a base that's, you know, six inches above the ground and slants away, and you aren't going to have to worry about too much water and flooding. Letter E under number three. And this is rental areas, storage units. I know that there's an expense to this one. Uh, then there are some rules that we need to talk about, but uh, I think it has some possibilities. You can get a 10 by 10 area, eight feet tall. So that's 800 square feet of storage space. Uh, in my neck of the woods, we can get them environmentally controlled, held between 35 and 80. And we can get that for about $60 a month. Now, you may even do cheaper if you're willing to have uh, ones that connect to the outside. I actually rented a space for a little while that was 12 by 20, and I rented that for $40 a month for many months. And it was a garage. And it had a door, and I could come and go as I wished. It did have electric, but no climate control. But it was in the middle of lots of other buildings, and therefore, it stayed very, very warm, relatively speaking, to the outside. So look for areas that you may be able to rent. It's a good way to store not only food, but other things that are big that you want to keep. Now, some 
have a prohibition against food being stored there. And this prohibition is because I've gotten to know my people who handle the storage well enough to talk to them. They indicate to me that what they're looking for is open food, the kind of food that draws rats, the kind of food that draws them to open the packages, even if they're enclosed. So if you're storing mylar bags in five gallon pails and you have them sealed well, both the bag, the mylar bag using a heat sealer and the five gallon pails by their top being put on correctly and tightly, that's fine. That's not what they're, pro that's fine. That's not what they're objecting to. And most of them will give you a nod to say, yes, you have protected what we're most concerned about and allow you to store some food in that area. You may not even want to say anything about it because again, you've done your best. You've sealed the smell pretty much. And then again, I would, uh, in my storage area, I might even throw a few, uh, uh, rodent, uh, deterrents down. The other thing is you have to know when you can get in and out. You cannot get yourself in a situation where you uh, can't get in, you can't get uh, materials out, you're stuck. So you don't want to get into that situation. You need to know when can you get in. Is there ways to get in? Is there ways to access your storage unit other than the main door? How would you do it if you absolutely had to get in? What's their hours? Do you have a passcode? What happens if the electric goes out? These are things you need to think through and perhaps you'll even decide, you know what? I really do want a, uh, a facility that's on the outside. I want my own garage door to get in. That's okay. Just realize that you may have a little more uh, heating and cooling to deal with. Number F. All the codes and ways that you know to get in should be well documented. It shouldn't be shared with everybody, but they should be well documented in case you yourself have to direct somebody and or in case you yourself are not around and someone that you trust, you know, has access to that facility or to your place or to keys for your closet whatever the mechanism that you use for security. And this is when it becomes so important to know your friends. And F starts right out with know your group, know your group members, and whether you can trust them or not. And if you cannot trust, keep it to yourself for right now. That's really, really important. And it's also important for you, once the trust has been developed, to trust those people to share with them. Maybe you start out by telling them one thing, and then through drills, you find out whether they can be trusted with that information or not. Trust has to be a big part of the group or friends or family that you develop. The next 
item of where you would store things as a retreat location. Maybe you don't have the place right away where you're going to have the stuff. Maybe it will be in a retreat location. And if it's in a retreat location and you are simply providing materials to them, then I think you need to make sure that you are in very good footing with this group. They have to know your plan also. Uh, if you've reached the stage of having a retreat location, a group, and a place to go to, everybody that's in leadership in that group needs to have a copy of your plan and what you have and what you will bring and what you have already sent and all those kinds of things. So it's important to make sure that that group is a cohesive, trustworthy group and that they have a copy of your plan with them and getting to include this in their plan. In other words, your plan should be a part of their group plan and should dovetail in nicely with what the group as a total unit is doing. They must consider your storage, the storage that you need for your items. They must consider their environmental capabilities can provide heat and cooling and all that. Controls and conditions they need to, everybody needs to know, how do you get in? How do you get to the supplies? How do you, uh, what are your controls and condition? Who has authority for this? These are all part of group dynamics, which we'll talk about later again. Now you may feel, and that's pretty much the end of this month, and we'll go into next month on February 1st, uh, you may feel that there's not much here to do with the Lord, but that's not correct. Wisdom in the Lord is to have a plan. And the plan of people who are dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ can carry out his most important mission, which is that of preaching. And as we talk more about the supplies next month, I'm going to have a thought about a supply you may not have thought about. And I want you to think about it very seriously. So that is the end of this month. And uh, again, looking at next month, we'll be talking about more of how much is enough. This is your host. See you then.